Well, a career-high 38 points from Drew Timmy prevented Gonzaga from suffering potentially the worst conference loss in school history, but it's clear a lot needs to change for this team to get back on top. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you daily reports through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. To post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, folks, happy Monday. Happy Mailbag Monday. The Zags escaped with a victory on the road against Pacific. It was a treacherous game tied at halftime. What we have come to see from the Zags, unfortunately, in a lot of ways this season uh, is challenges on the road in the WCC, even against teams like Pacific that are outside the top 200 and Ken Palm, not a particularly Good team, not a team that should really challenge Gonzaga the way that they did. Uh, Today is Mailbag Monday. For those of you who are new to Mailbag Monday, new to the show, new to Locked On, whatever it may be, uh, Mailbag Monday is a way for listeners to submit questions. Uh, If you have a question you would like to hear answered on the show, you can reach out to me via email, andypatton013 at gmail.com. You can also respond to me on Twitter at andypattoncbb. Find me on there, shoot me a question, and I will get it into the show. All right, without further ado, let's get right into it. This first question here comes from Jeff via Gmail. Jeff says, Gonzaga does not play again until next Saturday, and it looks like the week off between games could not come at a better time. What do you think Gonzaga could accomplish in addressing their issues with a full week of practices before their game at Portland on Saturday? Yeah, this really is a good time for Gonzaga to get a little bit of a breather. Obviously, the loss against LMU was devastating, for lack of a better word, a really tough loss for Gonzaga to take, ended Many, many, many streaks, uh, 75 consecutive wins at home, uh, hadn't lost to LMU since 2010, hadn't lost to LMU in Spokane since 1991. Uh, so it was one of those things that that plus the Pacific game, it's, it's time to reset. It's time to kind of take a little break, get an opportunity to kind of dig through some tape, dig through some film and kind of really figure out what are the things that Gonzaga needs to work on and kind of how can they right the ship between now and March. And I think the biggest things are on the defensive end of the floor. There are definitely offensive things that Gonzaga needs to work on, and we'll talk about those. But defensively, rotations are still a significant issue, especially getting out in transition. Way too many wide-open shooters. Gonzaga's players are not getting down the floor, finding their man, finding a man. Uh, We're seeing a lot of ball-watching. Uh, Nolan Hickman had a, a had a bad defensive player. I don't want to pick on him. He's far from uh, the worst defensive player on the team. Not the only guy who, who's been struggling on that end, but had a play where he was watching the ball instead of watching his man. They made a backdoor cut, got an easy point, and 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 we've seen other players bite on pump fakes. We've seen guys let guys make backdoor cuts, and again, not finding shooters on the perimeter. There are a lot of things defensively. Some of it is coaching specific, uh, how Gonzaga chooses to attack guards at the point of attack, how they choose to handle pick and rolls in certain situations, their lack of defensive intensity towards the end of the LMU game is a situation that I have a lot of criticisms of, quite honestly, because 
we knew that LMU was going to burn clock and that Gonzaga just let them do that as opposed to putting some more pressure on them. So some of it, I think, is the coaching staff starting to take a look at, okay, how are these teams going to attack us and what can we do differently? How can we make adjustments so that they don't just get to do what they want on offense and we're just stuck reacting to it? And then part of it is just player specific. There are some guys in this team who aren't particularly good defensive players. That's, that's the reality of the situation. Some of them haven't improved. Some of them have improved and just we're starting at a pretty low baseline. And so some of it is just these guys need to work harder. They need to, you know, get more reps, more experience. I think for Gonzaga, some really aggressive full on scrimmages, full five on five, you know, put, putting lineups out there and really going hard. Things that they probably don't do uh, in January very often because they're just playing so many games. So I think this is an opportunity to really go at each other in practice and kind of find ways to, to figure out what those mismatches are, what those ways that their own team is exploiting some of the matches on defense and then maybe trying to, to clean some of that up. I think there's some other offensive things that they need to work on as well. I think it's no secret at this point that Gonzaga is over-reliant on Drew Timmy. I know it, you know it. And the f- problem is that every WCC team knows it. Every team that is going to play Gonzaga this year, whether they're already on the calendar or are going to be on the calendar in March, they know that Gonzaga is overly reliant on Drew Timmy. So finding out other ways to get offense that doesn't just involve Drew, whether it's high pick and rolls with other players, whether it's pick and rolls where the guard is going downhill as opposed to automatically looking to dish it to Drew, whether it's creative sets that get Julian Strother open for three or Rasir Bolton coming off a screen and heading towards the basket where he can go downhill and score, like finding more ways to do some of that stuff. And maybe that's a personnel decision where Mark Few is content, just letting Drew Timmy be option one, option two, option three. Uh, but I think this is a good week to, to maybe recalibrate that and say, okay, we need some, uh, we need some other stuff in the playbook. That's not just going to Drew because if he has a bad game, we lose. And that cannot be the reality that either there's too much pressure on Drew. There's too much challenges with the other players, not necessarily knowing their role offensively. And it's just creating a situation that, leads to games like we saw against LMU. So for Gonzaga, I think there's issues on both ends of the floor. A week's not going to fix all of them, but it's a heck of a good start if they can get out there and really uh, really start working on some of that stuff. Next question here comes from Christian via Gmail. Christian says, does this team's fire burn differently than other teams? Uh, For example, there was something about Jalen Suggs from the moment he stepped on the court that sent a message. I think I saw a little of this fire last night with the play of Timmy Watson and Greg. Does this even matter or am I over fanning the flames? Yeah, I think a lot of it, I kind of touched on it in that last question. I think a lot of what we see from Gonzaga's players is tentativeness, and I think it's less about their personalities. It's hard to say. I don't know a lot of these guys super personally, so I don't know, you know, yeah, Jalen Suggs had a heck of a fire in him. I'm not debating that or doubting that. Do other guys on this team necessarily have that? I don't know. We don't see it. Uh, So it's, it's hard to say that they do because we haven't seen it. But I do think an element of that is tentativeness because Drew is such the focal point on offense that players maybe don't feel as comfortable. You know, Jalen felt comfortable getting the ball and putting his head down and driving to the basket. And sometimes he, you I mean, he committed a whole bunch of offensive fouls because of that. He still does that in the NBA, but Jalen felt comfortable being like, I need to go score. I'm going to go do it. I don't think Gonzaga has another player on this roster who feels comfortable doing that. And I think the, a lot of people are making the assumption that that is because of the players. And I'm not so sure about that. 
I think a lot of these guys are dogs. I think a lot of these dudes, I mean, every single one of these guys cooked in high school. These guys cooked in college if they're transferred out here. Malachi Smith, you know, he he, he was a high-usage guy at Chattanooga. Rasir Bolton was a high-usage guy at Iowa State. Like, these guys did it at their old schools, and they're not doing it here. And I don't think it's a collective, like, all of us don't have that kind of mentality or aggressiveness. I think it's a coaching thing. I think it's maybe not feeling comfortable. Like I should just get the ball and put my head down and go to the basket and try to score. We're not seeing a lot of guys doing that. And I think that it might be because the coaching staff is discouraging it. And in my mind, that is a bit of a concern because we've, we've gotten into late game situations and we've seen guys really need to go get a bucket. I mean, look what Nolan Hickman did towards the end of that game against Santa Clara. He went out and got a bucket. He went out and got multiple buckets when Gonzaga needed them to. When Hunter Salas was the guy who was open for three in a clutch situation when they needed to hit a three, he pulled up from three and he knocked it down. Like these guys can do that. They're capable of doing that. I think they have it in them. I think the fact that we've seen them battle back from being behind in so many games this season is a clear indication that they are dogs and that they do have that mentality and that killer instinct. We don't see it as obviously on the court in part because I think that the offense is a little bit stifled, a little bit stymied by the fact that every single offensive possession is, is basically an entry pass into Drew and then not a lot of movement after that. Final question here. The first segment comes again from Christian. Christian says, the growth, development, and overall game of Anton Watson has been phenomenal to watch. In the Pacific game, he tied a career high in rebounds. Is this one of the keys moving forward for the Zags' success? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anton Watson is, is mission critical for the Zags. He has been a key to their success from the get-go. The way he played in the Michigan State game was part of the reason they won that game. If he didn't play like that, they'd probably lose on opening night. He has been an instrumental part of their success all season long. And it's because not just because of his phenomenal defensive instincts, although they are great. His defense at the end of the BYU game is the reason they won that game. You know, hats off to Julian Strother for what he did, but uh, they don't win that game without Anton playing elite high level defense at the end of the game. Uh, we've seen him have some, you know, he was phenomenal against Oscar Shibwe against Kentucky. He was phenomenal in the Alabama game. Like he's had some fantastic performances, uh, not just defensively, but his Comfort offensively, his ability to be more of a playmaker, not just a guy who gets the ball and immediately gets rid of it. He can make entry passes. He can put the ball on the deck. He can do more things creatively with the basketball. And that has made Gonzaga significantly better. And for them to reach their ceiling, for them to have a nice run in the NCAA tournament, put some of this ugliness that we've seen early in January behind them, Anton Watson is going to be critical in order to do that. We got more listener submitted questions coming your way, including more discussion about Gonzaga's upcoming battles with St. Mary's. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about today's sponsor, LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching opening roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond the resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications, all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
All right, segment two, still on your patents, still Locked On Zags. I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Make sure to check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It's everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. You can hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. All right, here going back, going more through Mailbag Monday here as we get into the third week of June and a gap week for Gonzaga. No game on Thursday, but they will play at the Child Center in Portland on Saturday. This next question here comes from Austin via Gmail. Austin says, the streak has now been broken. It was a great run. With St. Mary's coming up, do you think we will win both split series or lose both? I'm not the only person who had a similar sentiment or question there. Austin, John via Gmail also asked, would you have to admit that St. Mary's is a better basketball team than we are right now? Yeah, I do think St. Mary's is a better team. I quite honestly, the first time I saw St. Mary's play this year was against San Diego State, a game that they won. And I thought, oh, that was in November. That was after Gonzaga had lost to Purdue, uh, after they beat beat Xavier, but kind of had the <laughs> struggle towards the end of that game. And so at that time, I was like, oh, I think St. Mary's might be better than Gonzaga. And then Gonzaga went out and beat Alabama. And Mary's lost to Colorado State and there was like a pretty questionable loss. And it was like, okay, maybe they're closer. Maybe Gonzaga is still the better team here. And now, after what St. Mary's has done in conference play, if I'm not mistaken, they have an average margin of victory in WCC by over 20 points. Over 20 points. That's what Gonzaga does. That's what Gonzaga does for the most part. St. Mary's doesn't blow teams out. They don't blow anybody out usually. Typically, they are a team that wins a lot of games, and they beat a lot of teams that maybe people don't think they have any business beating, but they don't beat them badly. They don't beat them badly. And here they are. This is why they're so high in Ken Palm. This is why they're so high on Torvik or even in the net rankings, although net doesn't factor this in as much. But Ken Palm factors in margin of victory. So for, for St. Mary's to be a top 10 team in Ken Palm, it's because they're beating teams badly. Gonzaga's not only not doing that, they're not even beating teams. They lost to LMU. Yeah, they beat Pacific by nine, but they, <laughs> they didn't beat Santa Clara by six. San Francisco and BYU were final possession games. So, yeah, I think St. Mary's is a better team. I think that they have one of the best offenses they've had in a really long time. They continue to have an elite defense. I mean, an elite, elite defense. Uh, Aiden Mahaney, the freshman guard for them, is fantastic. He's really, really good. Last year was the Chet Holmgren WCC Freshman of the Year Award. This year it's the Aiden Mahaney Freshman of the Year Award. I think he's won it every single week uh, for the WCC. He, he is a fantastic player, reminiscent of Tommy Cousy in some ways, reminiscent of Patty Mills in some ways. You know, not quite on those guys' level yet, but comparing him now to what those guys were as a freshman, yeah, he's that good. He's that good. Mitchell Saxon is a great big uh, six foot 11 big-bodied guy, can really – Pushed Drew Timmy around, one of the few physical specimens in the conference, good enough to really give Drew some trouble on his own. Uh, St. Mary's is going to have long, long, drag him out, stretch him out, 29 and a half second possessions. And unless Gonzaga does something dramatically different than what they did against LMU, they may just sit back and let St. Mary's run their slow, plotting, methodical offense. And if they do that, if they are not super aggressive and trying to prevent St. Mary's from running their offense, I think it could get ugly. Quite honestly, I do. I don't think Gonzaga is going to lose both games because I think that there's just too much pride on the line. It's a rivalry game. It's always, even in St. Mary's worst years and Gonzaga's best years, they usually give them a heck of a run. Uh, I think there's just too much kind of history between these two teams for Gonzaga to lose both. But I do think that St. Mary's right now is a better basketball team. Next question here comes from Christian via Gmail. Christian says, 
With the three-point game is not effective, what are some viable strategies the Zags employ that they might or could use more often? I'm not sure why exactly, but settling in the half-court defense is unsettling to me as a fan. I feel like some pressure to help stimulate breakouts and et cetera. Yeah, I, I don't really think Gonzaga's offense is, is really all that reliant on the three. In fact, I almost think that they're too reliant on going down into the post and not very reliant on the outside shot. I do think that Gonzaga could do some more creative things. And, and to your point in the second half here of like trying to use defense to, to get more offense, get more transition offense, be out and pressure more. Absolutely. I was kind of just talking about that in the previous question, but one of the the flaws for Gonzaga this year, I think is let, and, and this is, we've seen this before. This is not new to this year necessarily, but kind of letting the opposing team dictate the flow offensively, as opposed to trying to get them out of their rhythm. Gonzaga tends to let teams settle into their rhythm and that doesn't work very well. That's why St. Mary's has had their number in a lot of ways, because that's what they rely on is being able to set the pace and set the tempo for Gonzaga. I would love to see them put more pressure on teams, get in that half court trap, even do full court traps. If you, if you do a full court trap and they beat you a couple times and you have to back out of it, fine. I would rather see Gonzaga, even if the other team scores eight quick points, they go on an 8-0 run because Gonzaga tried a full-court trap and then the Gonzaga backs off. I'm sure some people will say, oh, why did they do that, blah, blah, blah. I would way rather see that. I would re- way rather see that than just sitting back and kind of letting the other team dictate the pace. That's something we've seen from Gonzaga a lot. With regards to actual offensive stuff, yeah, I think half-court offense, Gonzaga is 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 not looking for three-point shots. That's not really their MO. When, it, when the shots aren't falling, it obviously is a problem because it allows defenders to be more – to crash harder on Drew Timmy and kind of force the other teams to shoot. And, and I do think there could be some more pick-and-roll actions that, like I mentioned before, kind of trying to get Rasir Bolton going downhill, for example, or Malachi Smith coming off a screen, rolling towards the basket, hitting him that way as opposed to automatically stepping out for three. I do think there are some, some things Gonzaga can do, uh, but I, I don't think that they're overly reliant on the three right now. Uh, I, however, I do think that more pressure defensively, which could lead to more transition buckets, is absolutely a good thing. Well, we got more listener-submitted questions coming up in the third and final segment, including talk about Gonzaga fans and Zags in the NBA coming up right after this. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, still here going through Mailbag Monday after what was a pretty rough week for the Gonzaga Bulldogs, a loss to LMU and a narrow-ish win over Pacific. They did end up winning by nine, but it was tied at halftime against far and away the worst team in the WCC. Uh, Of course, this next question here comes from Jeff via Gmail. Jeff says, who would you rather be this week? The coaches at Gonzaga, whose team just suffered a non-quad one loss at home to an LMU team, or the coaches at number three, Kansas, whose team just played a quad one opponent and suffered a massive blowout loss at home? Well, I'll tell you what, I would prefer either of these to being Kelvin Sampson, the head coach of the Houston Cougars, who unfortunately uh, just saw their season. I mean, it doesn't completely curtail curtail their season, but the number one ranked Houston team just fell to Temple uh, and AAC. That's a tough loss for them. Uh, In terms of Gonzaga and Kansas, uh, Kansas is a better team. And, you know, quite honestly, last year, They got boat raced by Kentucky. I think they lost by 25 or maybe even 27 points to Kentucky last year during the regular season. And guess what Kansas did after responding to that loss? 
They won the dang national championship. They won it all. Getting beat badly by 25 plus points is not a recipe for not being able to win the national championship. We had this conversation after Gonzaga lost to Texas. Things have obviously not gotten dramatically better since that win. And that is a concern, a significant concern for Gonzaga going forward. But Kansas getting smoked by TCU, a really, really good team in the Big 12. Yeah, it's alarming. And it's alarming in part because they were at home. Teams don't come into Fog Allen Fieldhouse and smack Kansas very often. That's pretty darn rare. But it happens. And TCU is really good. Really, really good. I would rather be that than Gonzaga losing at home to LMU. Kansas is a better team. They lost to a better team. I, I mean, I, to me, it's it's clear in that situation. Yeah, they, they had a, a higher margin of defeat. I mean, they got blown out. Gonzaga did not get blown out. They almost won. And they had a chance to win that game. But they, they lost to a significantly worse team. And And – LMU is 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 a significantly worse team than TCU, but even in the court of public opinion, I think those, those two schools are farther apart. People consider LMU a high school team, and they're wrong. They're wrong about that. But when you're talking about the perception of this loss, Gonzaga losing to LMU looks a lot worse than Kansas losing to TCU, even if the margin of victory was significantly different uh, in the TCU game. Next question here comes from Christian. Christian says, are we just spoiled as Gonzaga fans? There has been so much winning that we don't realize how hard it is to win on the road. Every fan base in the WCC treats this like the Yankees coming to town. Yeah, I think absolutely. And I want to be clear. I don't think that's, I'm not saying spoiled in a, in a negative way. I don't think that this is a bad thing necessarily. Certainly there are some fans who are so used to winning that they maybe react more irrationally to losses. And, and that's, that's true of literally every single fan base that has ever existed in anything. So I don't, this is not ex, explicit to Gonzaga fans. It's not something you know specific to them, uh, but yeah, I, I mentioned this recently. I don't remember if I mentioned it on a podcast or not, but at, for the first 100 games that I covered as a podcaster, going all the way back to the days when I hosted the Square Zag Score podcast before I was here at Locked on Zags, first 100 games that I covered for the men's basketball team at Gonzaga, they went 92-8. and eight. To this day, I am still not particularly familiar with covering Gonzaga after a loss. It is something I have done very few times in my professional career as a podcaster about this team. I've been doing this for years, three years that I've been podcast more than three years that I've been podcasting about Gonzaga. And I have covered it. That number is higher now. I think that was earlier in the year. So it's maybe 11, maybe 12, uh, depending on when it was, but <laughs> that's it. The Zags don't lose a whole lot. It doesn't happen very often. And particularly the last few years, it's very, very rare. I don't think that's spoiled. I think that has a negative connotation in a way that I don't necessarily want it to. So I want to be careful about using that terminology, but yeah, Gonzaga has been really, really good the last few years. They have gone and beat everybody they played, basically. I mean, two years ago, they literally beat everybody they played until they played in that Baylor game. And so I do think that there has been heightened expectations, which is understandable. And then it, it feels worse when they lose. Now, losing to LMU hasn't happened since 2010. So being frustrated about losing to a team that hasn't beat you in 13 years and hasn't beat you at home since every player on Gonzaga, none of them were born. None of them were even close to being born. None of them were even close to being born. So yeah, it's, it's understandably frustrated about that loss. It's understandable to feel like we might lose to Pacific. That's bad. Like that is not good for Gonzaga. So I think that it's understandable to feel extra levels of frustration after this past week. But I also think that there is an element of like <laughs> Gonzaga fans haven't had to reckon with losing all that often. I mean, eight losses. There are college football teams that lost eight games in a year. Football, they play they play a third as many games, and there's teams that have lost that many games that yeah, you know, it's just it's just different. It's just different. 
Gonzaga is a different animal. It's a different breed. And yeah, getting comfortable with winning and then feeling frustrated when a team that was expected to win, a team that was ranked number two to start the year, is not winning at the clip you'd like them to win. And even when they are winning, they're not winning as comfortably as, as we're used to. I, I, it's understandable to feel that frustration. And I think that saying that, oh, that makes fans spoiled can sound negative, but it, that's kind of part of it, right? <laughs> we're, we react more, more strongly to losses because we're not used to them because we're spoiled by Gonzaga winning a whole bunch of games. That's just, I think that's just a fact. And I think that's a reasonable way to kind of look at it and, and accept it. And hopefully Gonzaga will write the ship this season and going forward so that we don't really have to keep reckoning with this because it's not all that fun. It's not all that fun to have to deal with. All right. Final question of the show here comes from Jim via Facebook. Jim says, how many Zags have won an NBA title and who will be the next player to win one? Well, there are three Zags who are listed as NBA champions. That is, of course, Adam Morrison, who won a pair of rings very famously with the Los Angeles Lakers, despite not playing a particular, uh, particularly strong role is one way to put it. Playing at all is another way to put it. Uh, Rodney Turioff has a ring as well, and Austin Day, Gonzaga, has earned, earned their rings, uh, not necessarily by being big-time contributors on said rosters. Uh, but of course, you know, I think that more than makes up for the fact that John Stockton is one of the greatest NBA players of all time, and he very famously did not win a ring. So I think it's fine. I think it evens itself out a little bit. Gonzaga's got themselves a few rings that maybe they're not undeserved. They are absolutely deserved, but we're not players who are significant contributors. But, you know, DeMontis Sabonis has been on really bad teams throughout his career. Kelly Olenek has only been on a few good teams in his career. Uh, John Stockton very famously was on a lot of good teams but did not win a ring. So I think it kind of evens out. In terms of who's next, it's really hard to tell. I'm not sure that it's anybody who's currently on the roster that they're on, if that makes sense. Brandon Clark is probably on the best team in the Memphis Grizzlies. He's not necessarily going to be in Memphis a whole lot longer. I'm not sure what Memphis is going to do. They have a lot of bigs. They keep drafting bigs. I don't know how concrete his spot is on that roster. Uh, If they win it this year, then heck yeah, it's going to be him. But if they don't, I think he might be out the door. One thing I'm absolutely keeping a very close eye on is whether the not whether I think the Washington Wizards are intending to trade Rui Hachimura in the next couple of weeks, but where he goes, if Rui gets traded to a contender, that might end up opening a situation where Rui ends up being the, the next NBA Zag to, to win a championship. And he wouldn't be a guy who just sat on the bench. He's going to play wherever he ends up. Uh, also keep an eye on Kelly Olenek, who I think might end up getting traded. And him being hurt right now has really kind of curtailed his trade value in a significant way. But he's a player who I think could end up on the block if Utah ends up deciding to, to move on and acquire some more younger or future assets. But Outside of that, I'm not sure I see anything. Bennett, or excuse me, Andrew Nempard, Jalen Suggs, in Indiana and Orlando. I think those two teams are 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 doing a good job of rebuilding, but I don't think they're there yet. Uh, and I'm not sure if they'll be there in the time that those guys' rookie contracts up. So we'll kind of see how that shakes out. Obviously, Chet Holmgren in Oklahoma City is an interesting one to keep an eye on. I think OKC has done a very good job with their rebuild. If Chet ends up being the player we believe that he's capable of being alongside Shea Gilgis-Alexander, alongside Josh Giddy, alongside jo- uh, Jalen Williams, who's been fantastic. Shout out Santa Clara right there. I could see a reality where they end up starting to compete for a championship. Uh, so there's a lot of potential options here. Of course, you know, there's more movement to be had. There's more, you know, maybe Zach Collins ends up somewhere outside of San Antonio. Uh, you know, there, there's a ton of things that could happen here. Uh, some guys who could end up in the NBA as soon as next year, like maybe Drew Timmy gets picked up by the, you know, the, a team expected to win it all next year. Maybe Golden State signs Drew Timmy and, and he, you know, plays a, a Roni Turioff type role on an NBA championship team. It could happen. So there's a lot of different options uh, for how that might shake out. I'm, I'm 
I'm hoping that in the very new future, we get to watch an NBA Finals where there is a zag in the games because it's going to make me a lot more interested in watching the NBA Finals if that's the reality. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Plenty more coming your way this week, even without a game on Thursday. we got plenty of great content to talk through. Uh, check out the new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, if you haven't done so yet. It is available wherever you get podcasts. It is also available on YouTube. That uh, is a fantastic show. Go hit that big red subscribe button on both Locked On College Basketball and Locked On Zags. It is very much appreciated. All right, I want to thank you all for listening. And, of course, go Zags.